This message. Start all over. That's terrible. <laughs> this episode brought to you by the Federal Savior. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> this this episode's brought to you by the Frontline Team. Vince, who are the Frontline Team? The Frontline Team, Corey. I'm glad you asked. They're your local mortgage brokers. These are local guys. They're a veteran-owned company. They're first responders. A couple I mean, of the guys all, who we work, all have guys, right? Yeah. If you, you know, if you, we got needed a plumber. plumber. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got a plumber, right? Right. Everyone's got a. Everyone's got an electrician. Everyone's <laughs> got a carpenter. Yeah. Why wouldn't you pick your own guy? Why wouldn't you want to have a guy who's a mortgage lender? Well, now you have a guy. The, team at the Frontline team at 630-534-2900. Give them a call. You got you got a guy. And these are the guys you want on your side. You, you, you're going to have guys like uh, Joy Matthews, Josh Hill, and the rest of the Frontline team. If you need to refinance, this is a great time to refinance. Uh, so easy that even you have a mortgage, Corey. Yeah. It, it, there's, they've done some wonders, I'll tell you. <laughs> that is for sure. The fact that I can own my own property is is amazing just because of the of the work that these guys do out there you know they I've heard them I've heard it from them before they want you to feel like their family as soon as you're done working with them so well when they first sponsored the podcast I said hey I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is I'm gonna refinance I talked to Josh and I gave him all the information and this is what I completely appreciated. He said, you're better off just doing what you're doing right now. Uh, you're not gonna get anything better than what you're doing. Kinda gave me this whole spreadsheet on the different programs we could go down and just shot me straight. It was like, you're at the best thing you, you can be right now. And that was nice. He how, wasn't trying much, to sell me on right, anything. How much it, more stand up can you get than yeah. a guy who's, who tells you to not use them for your business? <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, it wasn't in my best interest and he flat out told me that. So it was fantastic. But these are guys that you will know, like I said, veteran owned. These are upstanding individuals and they'll really go to bat for you. So uh, the Frontline team, you can reach them at 630-534-2900. Or email them at the Frontline team at thefederalsavingsbank.com. Tell them Vince and Corey sent you. One, engine four, truck two, truck ten, ambulance 82, battalion two, fire 1020 North Main, help is on the way. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Chicago's Bravest Stories. We are honored to have Caitlin from 100 Club today. Um, Caitlin, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, guys. I appreciate uh, it. Um, for a lot of people, the 100 Club is an amazing organization, and they've done so much good uh, for fallen police and fire. Um, but I I won't take up the, the background that you can really give here. Uh, but do you mind kind of give us a background on what you guys have done or, sure. or what you guys do? Yeah, so the Hunter Club of Illinois, formerly the Hunter Club of Chicago, um, supports first responders, both active duty and the families of those first responders that we've lost in the line of duty. Um, we've been around for 55 years this August wow. 27th. 
So August 27th is the big five five for us. And during those 55 years, we have expanded from Cook County and then into Lake County and then McHenry County. In March of this year, we decided to go statewide because there's so much more that can be done for our first responders throughout the entire state. Um, so as I said, we, we cover families after time of a line of duty death anywhere in the entire state and then assist them with educational assistance for all of the dependents, that's spouses and children, and also provide resources for probate, insurance, all of those sorts of things that come up after the unexpected. And then for active duty first responders, we have resources, mental health resources, um, and emergency funding as well. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of programs out there, and um, not to say that anybody should be partial to any of them, but um, what what we thought was incredible about the 100 Club is that it's really it, it's like it's like having a, a big brother that kind of just helps you along if if this situation, God forbid, happens. Um, it's not just you know talking to talking to other uh, people who've benefited from this program. It, it's not just a it's just a it's not just a paycheck that comes in the mail it's not just a monetary thing that helps you out like it's it's so much more than that what you guys are providing um and we i mean it, steve kind of got this this ball rolling today because of how important how important this this organization is especially with uh, in lieu of recent events um uh, with uh, with a fallen police officer, uh, we definitely want to make sure that people people know what you guys can offer to them and, and what you guys have offered to them really for fifty five years. Um, so, it, Kate, do you mind kind of giving us your background with the organization? Or, of course, I started with the Hundred Club in twenty thirteen. Uh, this will be my my eighth year. And I started working on our program services side. So I have a background in higher education and started working with our scholars. We currently have 32 scholars, so 32 dependents of fallen first responders um, from all over the years. So, you know, 20 years ago to last year. And we assist them through trade school all the way up through law school. So we provide tuition expenses for all of those levels. Um, so I started out in assisting with that program. Mm. What, what got you into that? A combination of things, really. Um, I attended my first 100 Club event. It was the first event I went to after I had my, my son. It was <laughs> my Welcome Back to the World event. <laughs> and, um, and I met some of the families at this event, and I went, how the heck did I not know about this organization, A, uh, being from a police family, and, and B, how can I get involved? And from that point on, I, <laughs> I got myself involved. <laughs> the Hunter Club is a nonprofit organization? We are a 501c3, yes. And we, and when I say we, I mean the podcast, we, got, we actually met you prior to this at uh, the conference, right? Correct. And well, what were you guys doing down there? What were you trying to raise awareness for down there? We went to the legislative conference to, to spread the word about the services we have for active duty first responders. So um, we've assisted 295 families over the 55 years. There's 79,000 first responders in the state of Illinois. 
To put that in perspective, there's 40,000. We can round 80. Yeah. We can round 80. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we'll make it 80. Make it it easy, Chicago man. Yeah. Um, We'll go with 80. But uh, to put that in perspective, there's 40,000 first responders in the entire state of Arizona. So, you know. Wow. Think about about the difference of what we have. And, And we go all the way up to the federal level and all the way you know, to the local volunteer level. So there might be 40,000 retired Chicago firemen in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got 40,000 active. Who are, who are claiming their right, active. Right. I wouldn't doubt that. Right. Eh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we really, we wanted to go, you know, we wanted to go meet with people and let them know that with this expansion, we will still be providing the same services for families who've lost a loved one in the line of duty but in the hope to do more, um, we've offered some new resources to active duty first responders. So we have an app that you can go to that's completely confidential that provides resources for mental health, PTSD, resiliency. Um, there's, a, there's a few emergency phone numbers if you find yourself in a spot that you need to talk to someone. It takes that out of the hands of, of your department. Um, it makes it a little bit more confidential and a little bit more your decision to what you want to do. If you decide to use the resources of the 100, 100 Club for something like mental health, does the treatment remain confidential as well? Depending on what kind of treatment you go into. Um, so if it gets to a point where you are missing work for a long period of time, that's obviously something that your employer has to have notification about of what that implication is. Um, but if it's just wanting to talk to somebody or wanting to attend a workshop or attend a seminar or, um, you know, reach out and do some outpatient treatment. But the, the fact that no. you, it's not like you're diming them out, you're actually providing them an explanation to the employer why this person is going to be gone for a little while because he needs more treatment than is going to be covered by just a regular day off or anything like that. Correct. And, and our approach to that was, you know, everybody's got EAP programs mm-hmm. and everybody feels how they feel about their EAP program. But if I can give you 10 different avenues and 10 different ways to get help, then I'm going to give you 10 different ways to get help because maybe you don't want to go through your department for X or Y reason. Um, and maybe you don't want to go through a family provider for X or Y reason. But if we can give you some more resources that's what we want to do. So in the event that uh, there's a line of duty death, whether it be fire, police, or, or, or active EMS, uh, what what happens on the Hunter Club side? Yeah, just run us through the process. Like Something happens. How Number one, how do you guys get activated? We have a... A cadre of contacts <laughs> um, is the best way to put it, being statewide. So so some of the larger departments, <clears throat> you know, we've had those contacts for So ages. people are just out there looking out for people who might need your services. That and, you know, we're heavily tapped in throughout the state. So good. You should. I mean, you should. What happens more yeah. than more than not is I've got five or ten people reaching out going, hey, this has happened. Um, we, we act when, when there is a line of duty, when we have confirmation from the department, but a lot of times too, I'm reaching out to a department and saying, Hey, I heard this just happened. What can we do? Um, 
dependent on on where they're at and and what that process what point of the process they're in um, we do anything from immediately respond to the hospital and meet with the family meet with the department and walk them through the next two four 24 48 hours um, to you know responding later if we find out about it but uh, if we can be there we're there at the hospital or we're there the, that same day um, because it's it's a it's a process for the family. It's also a process for the department. You know, being statewide, there's very tiny departments who've never had this experience before and, uh, and, and need that understanding of, of all the resources that are out there and how we can help. Are, are you guys available 24 hours a day? Yes. <laughs> my, my cell phone number is... <laughs> no, and I, I mean, and that's... That's the part of the job, though. I mean, you know that. Right. Horrible things don't happen at noon on a Tuesday. Sure. We're just hanging sure. out. Um, but, but of course, we're, we're there 24 hours a day. My cell phone is on every piece of documentation we have. All of our office lines are forwarded. So anytime um, I have more people text my cell phone <laughs> than anything else. How so, many yeah. people are, are with the 100 Club? There are four of us. So uh, myself, we have a COO um, who handles a lot of the first responder active programming. Um, we have a, an events manager and we have a program manager. So if you, I mean, the, the fact that you guys are responding to the hospital means you might, you might be dealing with the family before, you might be dealing with the family before other members of the fire department are dealing with the family. So it's, I mean, you guys are definitely Johnny on the spot in those situations. Are after um, after those? I guess the the initial um, the initial kind of I guess maybe walk through of like what steps they might be anticipating. Um, how do you guys stay involved after that? So again, and it depends. Every department is right. different, and every department requires a different level of of care. Um, so. When we meet with the family, we can provide monetary resources up to $50,000 immediately to that family. Mm -hmm. um, we can work through the services, through the funeral homes, through those kind of, those kind of access points. Um, we go as far as, as taking care of the, the funeral home, the services, coordinating the other agencies, the other support groups. Um, and it, it's as different as meeting with the family and then attending the services and then meeting with them after. We do meet with the family often um, mm. to, s to provide all the different kinds of support that we have. So whether or not they have children who are college age, um, if they're approaching college, that's a, com that's a different children, conversation. Right. That's, and if they have children, um, depending on who, who the family makeup is, changes, you know, what, oh, what, what our too. response is to. Right. So um, we, you know, a, a big part of that is, it, and I'm going to go off the, the big brother, we'll call it big sister. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say sorry. Sorry. Um, and I'm a middle child, so I'm, I like I'm, to be the big sister. Um, <laughs> but, but to go off of that aspect, it's really, in my eight years, I've been a part of 48 line of duty deaths. Oh, I God. unfortunately know an awful lot about yeah. what happens. So... The, the hope is that we can take a little bit of that load off, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Whether that's coordinating logistics for services, whether that's meeting with families, whether that's taking over and 
contacting school to, you know, explain what's going on for the scholars, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, we're, we're a team who understands what a line of duty death does to a family and how to respond to kind of keep them on the same level. So you're just like a full-fledged advocacy group <laughs> for first responder families who have experienced line of duty death? Yeah, really. I, I mean, it's like you guys are doing everything. <laughs> the way that I that I tell the team, the way that we talk about it is, we're four people who spend twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, thinking about first responders and thinking about families and how we can assist and help. So whatever that looks like, which is really the impetus for changing some of those programs um, to tailor them, because responding to line of duty deaths. You have the family, the blood family. Mm-hmm. You've also got the blue and the red family. You know, um, the department is is struggling and feeling and going through trauma at the same time that the family is. It's a different trauma, but it's mm-hmm. trauma nonetheless. So that was really what we wanted to do with some of those services: was say, "Hey, we're we're here to to assist you guys too, and and we know you're hurting, and we know this is awful, and." We want to help lighten the load. Does does it have to be a death for you guys to start advocating? Or are there like traumatic injuries where the uh, first responder has survived that you guys will start um, utilizing your resources? We do have assistance for active duty first responders who are injured. Um, So we have emergency funding program that we can tap into um, if there's a monetary need that we can assist with. And a lot of times it's, it's making connections and answering questions. Um, as you guys know, the first responder community is, is super tight and everybody's got a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in our case, we got a bunch of guys and gals who people don't necessarily know they need to be connected to, but maybe we, we're, the, we're the connection point for that. Um, and and we've, we find that we do that a lot. Uh, is there any program set up by you guys so you were talking about the family the blue family the red family what about a line of duty death within a firehouse those those guys that that shift that department what do you guys do for those guys so that's where those new resources come in um what we do for them is provide a contact list of clinicians of um phone lines that they can call of resources, we can bring people in um, with, you know, critical incident stress management training. We can bring people in um, to talk about trauma. We do that a lot. We, we assist with debriefs for, you know, um, the, the members of the department or of the unit. Um, we work closely with, with command and, and with the powers that be to make sure that all of those access points are, are established and, and open. Kind of letting them know, you know, what to look for possibly and what might be a, I mean, a very, I'll never admit it to him because he's a cocky little jag off, but um, a very wise beyond his years, Stephen once said that when situations like this come up, no one's expecting it. And to have a resource like that or a monetary, you know, help can, definitely help alleviate some of the other stresses that you're dealing with on top of the of the death itself or the or the loss of a family member or whatever um have you guys uh 
I guess going back to uh, to helping out guys on shift or, or um, guys or gals on shift, um, have you guys uh, dealt with um, dealt with these with these uh, with these guys? far beyond the line of duty death or are they is it mostly just in the immediate moment that things are going on or have you dealt with long-term problems with any of these guys or long-term problems in terms of active duty members who need assistance yeah definitely um we can we'll be there to provide resource depending on how long that takes um so i think the other part is and, and we say this to families and we say this to active duty the hunter club is a family that's that's how we approach the situation um you know i tell people we're we're with the hunter club family and we're here that that's how i approach every hour of my work (laughs) um so so if there's somebody who's struggling of course we're gonna we're gonna keep in touch and, and keep pushing resources and keep working through that do you find a big difference between uh dealing with these situations between police departments and fire departments you know, uh, <laughs> so definitely, I mean, I, I'll say it if, if, uh, but like it, you, I definitely feel like on the police side, um, at least out in the suburbs, cause you don't get a lot of like, you know, two guys riding in a car type situations. I feel like police officers as a general rule are a little bit more loners. Um, well, we had, like, we had Brian Bardsley on the show, uh, last year sometime and he's like, you're like a lone wolf, you know. You show up for roll call, you get in your squad car, you go. Right. You know, go if you show up for roll call, yeah. Shadies don't show up for roll call. You just turn on your radio yeah, and you, yeah. you're in you job. know, like here you go, <laughs> you're live and go find some bad guys. You know, like that's that's what they're told. We're at the firehouse, like, you know, we're hanging out. Even the smallest company is a two man company, right? Right. You know, you're, you're just you're hanging out. You're you're talking with your partner. Or you're talking with the guys on the crew. You're having meals together. You know. You're responding to emergencies together in the same vehicle. I was saying, we're definitely just in terms of training. I feel like we're, you know, we're we're taught to work as a team. Whereas again, cops are. I mean, I, I'm sure that they're, you know, they're trained to work as a team. But I don't know. It just seems a little bit more. I think that the difference there is definitely, and you know, we look at that on the trauma side too. Because when you when you look at it from a, a police standpoint, you're right. You you're alone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you are responding as a team, you're still getting back in your car by yourself. So you might be going to a critical incident and there's 10 of you and you're handling it and you're all together and you're, it's done and everybody takes their, their deep breath and then y'all get back in your cars right. <laughs> and, right. and you go to the next incident. Um, you know, but I, I see that on the fire side too. And, and you guys do have a much different camaraderie in the fact that you're actually quartered together. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at like the volunteer fire side, these guys go back to work. Yeah. So you oh, answer yeah. a call and you go back to work. You know, you might be a mechanic. You <laughs> might, oh, yeah. might have your own business. Yeah, they'll go back you know? to Ace Hardware or whatever right. it was You're, that they were. And, and, and you know, especially in small towns, which we got 102 counties in Illinois. They're not all cook. Right. Um, you know, in some of these smaller towns, you're responding to your neighbor. Right. And then you're going back to your day job. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no debrief and there's no trauma release. So, you know, that's that's part of the, what we want to assist with too. Um, well, Caitlin, I, you were talking yeah. with all the, I, I know all of the good that you guys have done and I know everything you guys have done so much and it has been shocking to hear, especially you said that this has been around for 55 years. Has it always been such a small group at, with the stuff that you guys have been doing? I was expecting a small army <laughs> yeah. to have, 
pulled off what you guys pull off on a on a regular basis. So when you told me four people, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that considering you're covering the entire state. You're covering 106 counties and you're including the nonsense of the big departments, which I won't mention any names. <laughs> but it has it always been such a small group, the hundred go? We have. Um, we've always been a small group. We've always been around four or five uh, staff members. Really? But I will tell you that there is a small army in the fact that we have tons of connections and resources. So, yes, I'm your point of contact for a line of duty, and I'm the one who's going to show up, and I'm the one who's going to meet with your family. Um, but we have a bunch of other other arms to wrap around you too. There's a bunch of other people. It is a small army. Um, and, and, you know, we've got people who, who come out of the woodwork who say, Hey, by the way, we, ha we have a resource who's like, I, I provide LASIK surgery and I'll do it free for any of your families. You know, there's, there's all sorts of people who right. come out of the who woodwork. Are who are willing they, to they help. They never thought were. Right. How did you guys get, get the name the hundred club? So there are 125 ish hundred clubs in the nation. Um, we are not affiliated with each other. <laughs> None of us work together. There's no grand hunter club. Um, but <laughs> we have extraordinary hunter club members. <laughs> right. When, when the name came up, the was name it? name came up in Detroit. It's like the Big Ten. Right, it is. <laughs> you know, like, there's not 10, there's not 10 teams. <laughs> right. Well, so what happened, um, and it started a few years before our hunter club was established in, in Illinois, but um, there was a line of duty death in Detroit. And a local car dealer, you know, raised funds for the surviving widow and children. Um, and then very shortly after, there was another line of duty death. And he got together a hundred of his friends. And they became the 100 Club. That was the first hmm. one? Mm -hmm. Was The first one was in Detroit. And we actually met a couple years ago um, on our 50th anniversary, the very first recipient of a 100 Club uh, resource. His dad was killed in the line of duty, and he was that Detroit. No, family. really. Mm -hmm. And wow. he's in his he's in his seventies by now, but he was. Wow. Yeah. So it was a. Uh, it comes for full circle. And but it was a, a firefighter. Police officer. Police officer. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always been police and fire, but typically speaking, we we have more police line of duties than fire. And would you say that in your eight years since? you've been with this program that you're seeing more mental health line of duty than physical line of duty? I think, um, I think there's a lot more stressors on the job and I think there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more buzz about mental health. There's more people talking about it. There's more people talking about it after the fact. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think, you know, on the police side, we've all heard about the gun cleaning incidents. Like, right. That's not a thing anymore. We don't talk about that anymore. We talk about mental health. We talk about issues. Um, we talk about PTSD and depression. So I do think that there's definitely, you know, there's not a break in that stigma. The stigma's still there. People aren't going to come up to you and be well, like, hey, I'm struggling. I need we're help. We're working on it. We we're are. We're working on it. We are. But, you know, th the stigma's still there, but we're talking about what that cause is now. Whereas eight years ago, we weren't. I mean, and imagine where we were 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, because the, the job, though technology has changed and the human race has changed, the job is 
kind of always been the same. You guys mm-hmm. go to work every day. You save lives. There's some you can't save. And, you know, that's that's a stressor that that everyone's had to deal with since the dawn of first responding. Mm-hmm. How can people get a hold of you, Caitlin? So we have a website. We have an app. The website is 100, so 100clubil.org. Um, you can download our app on the Apple and the Android store. <laughs> it's 100 Club. App, huh? We do. It's 100 Club of Illinois. We do have an app. Uh, the app links you to all of those resources I talked about. So oh, wow. the mental health resources, that emergency funding resource, all of our workshops, all of the um, trainings that we have, all that's in the app. And then we can push out information too. So let's let's talk about where where does the Hunter Club get their funding from? Because you have a lot of programs. You have four people in the office. You have an office. The, those things have to get paid for. Who? Where does the funding come from? We are about one third of each of um, grants, donors. So whether that's corporate or individual, um, we have a membership program. That is a donation program. It is a yearly donation program. There is no membership to get you 100 Club benefits. If you are a first responder in the state of Illinois, you have 100 Club benefits. Um, but so it's grants and then individual and corporate donors and then events. So in a, in a typical year, not like last year, right. um, we go to put on or part of about 100 events a year. So anything oh, from, wow. a, from a 5K to a golf outing to a gala to... Um, you know, any sort of cocktail parties. You we, got anything coming up re- soon? We do. So we have a 55th anniversary party coming up on the 19th, uh, which is going to be at the Flower Firm, which is a new event space over in Fulton Market. Okay. And then our gala is September 23rd. Is that the big one? That's the big one. That's at the Ritz. Ooh. Vince is a big fan of galas. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a gala Vince, guy from way back. Yeah, I will come to the gala. You should yeah. come to the gala. It's a good time. He's got that old like penguin tuxedo with the, <laughs> with, with the tail out the back. Where's a, where's a bow tie? A red one a for whatever reason. Are, are you able to talk about any of your like corporate donors, like people who are, you know, really come forward and help out the Hunter Club of Illinois? Hey guys, uh, you know what? We're just gonna talk a minute about this awesome beer we've been drinking from Illuminate Brew Works. Um, right now, I'm, I'm drinking Trust, and uh, this thing is—it's just a really good lager. Um, we're going—we're kind of running the gauntlet here. We got some—we uh, got some awesome beer here, so we're just running through each one of them. Uh, I tried, Vince. You tried that Orange Sunshine too, right? Orange Sunshine is my new favorite summer beer. Yeah. Thanks to Brian at Illuminated Brew Works. If you guys are looking for an amazing craft beer, and, you know, I'm not a big craft beer guy, and I was a little hesitant, and then when we started popping yeah. these things open, uh, it was like Christmas. Yeah, we, we've been firing pretty good on we, these things. We, <laughs> we, we've been going through these yeah. like so crazy. Bar Chicago's Bravest Stories is doing all right over here. Right. Well, the Illuminated Brew Works beer has saved us from drinking all the whiskey that we have here because... Uh, We've been drinking more beer than we have whiskey. Might not even be whiskey guys anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, that Creeper one was pretty good too, right? Vince Creeper was it. good. And we're fresh out of astronaut juice. In yeah, there. if we had astronaut juice, that is my top one uh, from these guys. If you're looking for an amazing craft beer, you can find it at Benny's Norwood Park Wine and Spirits, 
Beer Temple, which is right down the street here from the studio. So if you're uh, picking up some Illuminated Brew Works at Beer Temple, stop in, have a drink with us. Bottle and Cans, uh, Capones, Totos, and Ryan's, Rayans, R-A-Y-A-N-S. Yeah, these are all bars they're selling in. And uh, you guys would notice it for sure once you walk in because they've got some really cool artwork on each of their cans. Um, so, again, just, just look for the, the eye-popping uh, artwork that you're going to see, and they'll kind of lead you over. Again, this is Illuminated Brew Works. Make sure to check out anything that they've made so far because everything I've tried has been awesome. Oh, it, it's really good. If you go to uh, that place, Wine Styles, at 6182 North Northwest Highway, you can pick it up. And coincidentally, that is right next door to where the new brew pub is going to be. Illuminated Brew Works is opening up a brew pub at 6186 North Northwest Highway. It's going to be amazing. The beer is amazing. And we are also asked to mention that the new Brony is coming back out. It's a double hop IPA. So for you IPA guys, the Brony is coming back. But the the beers that he has in stock right now are amazing. Uh, Illuminated Brew Works. Thanks, Brian, again for uh, you know keeping us in beer here. And you know when our guests come in and stuff like that, we give it to them as well. And we've heard nothing but great things from uh, our guests who've uh, walked out of here with a four pack of uh, Illuminated Brew Works. Thanks, guys. Again, make sure to check them out. Illuminated Brew Works. We have some great relationships with some with some large Illinois companies, um, Motorola Solutions being one. Motorola Solutions has been with us for ages. They're a large donor. Wow. Um, they care because they supply you guys with, <laughs> with your needs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're an amazing donor. They're also an educational donor, too. So they provide some mentorship and some resource there. Um, we work with Wintrust. We work with CVS. We've got we've got some larger donors. There you go. So you know, guys, when you're going <laughs> to get your monsters in the morning, stop over at CVS. <laughs> support those that support you. What um, what is all entailed in someone becoming a uh, a member of the 100 Club or an organization an organizational member? So the membership program um, is, like I said, it's a yearly donation. So there's levels for that. So you can be at any level. They start at $50 a year and go all the way up to $25,000 a year. Um, and that is, it's a, it's a donor program. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a way to... to Corey, you, get, you can do that. No problem. Yeah, yeah. 25000 yeah. We yeah. talked about this. I, I cut a check. <laughs> right. You didn't even see it. Just, just fire one off. Lieutenant salary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good to know, guys. Good to know. Um, I'm always looking. Yeah, no. <laughs> they put me on the spot, so I got to cut a check. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's how we do it. Yeah, no, I get it. There's going to be a lot of social media comments, sure. Corey. There's four of us, but we're mighty. No, uh, I, I get it. Did you ever get that TikTok? <laughs> no. We do have the TikTok. I know I it. you guys have we the TikTok. We have a TikTok. Do you have a TikTok? No. <laughs> get a TikTok, no. man. No. 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 That's, that is a PR nightmare been, waiting to happen. Vince has been talking for the last year, right? That's what the kids call talking uh, we <laughs> had we had a tiktok and oh, we, got we don't we don't have we don't anymore don't, i don't know what happened kevin casey got us kicked off somehow <laughs> god bless See, him that's right. the fear that's yeah. the fear right <laughs> you know what i wouldn't want it any other way <laughs> kevin casey got kicked off good that's how i want to go it seems to be the first responder tradition lately to get kicked off social media oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing or another yeah. we'll get there <laughs> um but yeah so they can uh they can reach out to you guys and um and 
is there is there air is there an area on the website that you become a member on there? Or there is. is. Okay. So there's an area. Um, there's a membership tab on the website. There's okay. a donate tab on the website. Um, we also are on all the other social media channels. Uh, <laughs> so right, you can right, find right. us on right. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and TikTok. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and what does it what does it cost to be like just a, a regular member? Like two, it's like two hundred bucks a month it's, or something. It's fifty dollars a year. Oh wow, that's it. Fifty dollars a year. Yep. Yeah, there you go. You, 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 you had 200 and you just. Yeah. Right? You, yeah, you just lost 150 bucks. <laughs> Truly, yeah. She could have um, nailed me down for 200. Right. Well, now you I just have to do it four times. a minute ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's, it's, all just, it's all just gravy at this point. Corey, well, Corey's from the land of handshake deals. So. <laughs> um, I mean, again, I, I can't talk about how great of an organization this is. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of. I know we talked about it a little bit when we were down in Springfield, but. Uh, can you talk about any of any of your guys' success stories? Um, we we do know one particular guy who <laughs> ended up. Uh, um, unfortunately, his father was a police, a Chicago police officer that had um, died in the line of duty, and he well, he's coming on the show, so we. I don't uh, want to dive too I, deep in that. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't mind naming yeah. the name. But, but, but whatever the case, he talked yeah. about how... No, um, no uh, how, spoiler alerts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. But he talked about how, how wonderful you guys were and, and how you guys were practically family as he was coming through. Um, but I'm sure that he's not the only guy that, that you guys have helped and, out. And we're speaking about Joey Matthews, <laughs> oh, <I> was <laughs> who, was a very, who was a very good friend of us and the show and now is one of our best friends. And... Congrats are in order. Congratulations are in order. He just had a baby boy, so congratulations, Joey Matthews, on your new baby. Yeah, Aww. and uh, there's a care package on the way from hitting it hard from the yard. So <laughs> enjoy. Uh, but again, a, a true success story from you know that that you guys helped out. Um, what else you got? So I think success stories in our mind are everybody's a success story. Sure. Everybody yeah, everybody sure. works through. Um, works through this tragedy mm -hmm. but I think one part that I'm always really really proud of and inspired by are our we call them legacy first responders so Joey's one of them mm -hmm. um, as a Cicero firefighter you know he's still following in the first responder footsteps we have families that you know there's 17 badges in the family we have oh, families yeah. you know you think of these south side and north side families and big families don't know if, anything about that not a clue right <laughs> yeah. um, but but you know the it's families who continue the tradition and go back out there, even watching the worst, the worst case scenario of what could happen by worst. dedicating your life to first response, you know, and then their kids turn around and do it. Or, or they were married to, you know, spouses are first responders and then the children are first responders. And it's just a testament to the, the population. So yeah. you've had spouses that have been through a line of duty death that turn around and become first responders themselves? We've had spouses who are first responders okay. who lost their spouse who was also a first responder. And huh. then continued to continued the job. strap on the badge mm -hmm. or, you know, put on that, that helmet and get back on the engine and, yep. and just go do it every day. And then their children are first responders. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a true testament. Well, Joey's a pretty a good example he of is. what you guys do because Joey's father had a line of duty death and you guys really took care of him. You guys uh, assisted him with college, right? Mm -hmm. And then we don't want to, we'll leave it at that because <laughs> that's, that's the whole told, story. You, 
you stop me in the middle of telling some <laughs> ambiguous conversation. And you're firing names line. out. You're you're telling the entire story. Yeah. Well, because Steve and I can control ourselves. Yeah. How right. many? You you get started. It, the, the the gig I'm, is up. Look yeah. look who's controlling themselves now. Hmm, <laughs> I don't know. Bunch of bourbon on the table. I'm drinking the beer on the high road. Uh, so. How, will, how many of these legacy the kids? <laughs> we getting off the, we're getting off the rails bit. here, boys. It's, I mean, it's a nice <laughs> topic. Go back to your piece Caitlin, of paper. How, how if you didn't smack uh, any of them, go ahead. I got to go back to a piece of paper right, Caitlin, we're going to go back to the paper <laughs> that Corey is like, <laughs> you, you scribbled won't on. Yeah, he drew three oh. things. There's smiley faces <laughs> on this piece of paper. Smiley faces. And they're all There's nothing written on that piece of paper. No, there's not. There's not. I got a picture of Vince, and he's, yeah, Vince is riding a skateboard going up a hill. Um Kate, how many how many of these legacy kids are there? You know, I, I don't have the top count, but uh, I would offhand I know of at least twenty five. Twenty five? I thought we were talking. Uh, I thought like we were talking handful. before. Yeah, that it was. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a single digit, but yeah. Yeah, without Oof. without naming names in sure. the last, you know, um, in the last year, six of the families wow. have either spouses that are on the job or children. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Um, do you, do you care to talk about, um, again, right. We've kind of trying to get to it, but, um, any, uh, any particular stories that jump out in your mind besides Joey? Um, you know, without, without telling names and and sharing stories, I will, I will share one because this family is, is loud and proud and is one of the, one of the the role models of, of being the first responder family. Um, and that's the Johnson family. I'm sure you guys all know the Johnsons on the fireside. Um, they're the ones who have the 17 badges between the family. Oh my Lord. Um, really? All of Herbie's siblings are in some sort of service. (laughs) And then, um, you know, the kids followed in his footsteps and one's on the fire department and one's on the police department. Wow. You know, when we've got, uh, we've got families in that same legacy line. So, um, it's awful. It's tragic. I pray to God it'll never happen to another single family. But well, you guys, I'm are, proud you, of our. You families. guys think about it, you're an organization that's hoping to be run out of business. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you're hoping to just shut the doors and and pay for college for the rest of time. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, on that note too, I said there's 32 there's 32 scholars um, that we have in school right now. Uh, we've got 118 in the pipeline. So 118 wow. dependents for the next, our youngest is a year. So. And you guys will take care of, you guys will flip that bill for as far into their education as they'll go? All the way up to law school. I haven't had, or med school. we haven't had anybody in med school. We've never had somebody attempt for med school, but I will tell you this and I can tell you this family because the girls would all tell me that I could. Um, the Oberheim family that we assisted in Champaign. So if you heard about the Champaign police officer who was killed, uh, he was killed on May 19th and his... Of this year? Of this year. Uh, well, this just happened. That's, we almost didn't that get, the, we like yeah. didn't get a hold of Caitlin, like... She, oh, we that's were do- when yeah, that's we were, she had to leave in the middle yeah, of the... We were yep. doing uh, the AF help and assist the AF... Well, we took over the AFFI podcast. Right. <laughs> and uh, not, not intentionally. Yeah, and Joey Matthews and Josh Hill are like, hey, that's Caitlin from the Hunter Club. You got to talk to her. We're like, oh, yeah, cool. And Corey's like going up to like, hey, how's it going? She's like, oh, yeah, one minute. And she like kept walking away from us. We're like, this chick does not want to be interviewed <laughs> by us. 
I, and of course, like most, like cult, most women, right, 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 right. which yeah. is like, fair. Right, no, yeah. I, I would have been more yeah. blunt. My wife doesn't even want to talk to me anymore. So, uh. like, we were like, oh, I guess she just didn't want to talk to us. And then, like, and then we found out she's busy doing her job while she's at her job. Yeah. You know, and it, so, yeah, but. Yes, I left you guys and, and I went immediately yeah, to Champagne yeah. and, and met with that family in that department. But his second oldest daughter, um, the day I met her, was like, you know, we're going through what the Hunter Club is and how we're going to be there and, and what kind of supports and services we have. And she's like, well, I'm going to be a doctor, so you better figure that out. <laughs> I was like, yes, I feel that. I do. I feel it in yeah. my soul. And I was like, sure, yeah, we'll figure it out when we get there. Huh. Um, you got to put a million miles on that vehicle. Yeah, I got a Ford Edge. So yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, running the tires off that thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we talked about our, our offices being in Chicago, but I mean, I, I, I live in my car. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's how I think it should be. You know, yeah. we're, we're responding. Um, I mean, the fact that you rattle off this, this Champagne police officer's, the date of the line of duty off the top of your head right now. It's just a, just a testament to how important all these cases are to you, you know? Every single one is is a family. And, you know, as, as I mentioned, as part of a, a first responder family myself. Well, who takes care of you? Yourself. Like, you're going out and you're, you're really throwing yourself into this. So how are you being taken care of? You know, I've got a great team. She just said she has a Ford Edge. Right. Okay. Come on. <laughs> how, how much better of a life could she be living right Obviously, i got a Ford Edge and a bourbon. Um, there you go. <laughs> I'm rolling. What else do you need? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Ask my husband. But, yeah. Um, yeah. no, you know, we've got a great team. We've got a great bunch of resources. And I'll tell you, you know, that question comes up a lot. When people say, I've had families who are like, how do you do this? This is so awful. How could you, how could you do this and see this and be part of this pain? And I'll tell you that I couldn't do it if I never saw it come first circle, but I've been to graduations. I've been to weddings. I've been, you know, part of families that we've, we've met along the way. And, and I get to see full circle. You're in the long game. I get to see what, you know, what life looks like for them. And that's, that's the good part. That's that's what that's what honestly gets me through. And like I said, if if I didn't see full circle, if we stopped the day I came and showed up and said, "Here's some money and here's yeah, some resources," yeah. and uh, and then I left and I never saw these people again, I couldn't do this job. I would I would not be able to see that kind of that makes pain and trauma. But you know, like I said, these the the families who were like, "Hey, I'm going to med school," and she just started college. Do it. Like I get to see that. I get to be part of that and, and get to be proud of that because. How many people have gone to law, law school on you guys? We got two in law school right now. We're going we're gonna to need them their names later on. We really need some help. Yeah, the three of us are going to need help. Um, the, uh, and again, I've, I've heard of the of, of you guys being referred to as family members to to these families you know like as you know oh that's that's papa so-and-so or that's my you know that's my aunt Galen. you know like that's these are these are things that we've heard uh, of these families calling you guys which again you you guys aren't even you guys are part of their family which is it's incredible um yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to think what else we can is there anything that we can do for you 
I think Except that, more bourbon. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> well, well, how about, talking about? Are you allowed to? Uh, can you talk about your predecessor? Because I know <laughs> before. I know he's. I'm going to need more bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no problem. But, uh, I know he. You know he retired from the Hunter Club, correct? Uh, and uh, I, I know a couple guys that just talk very highly uh, about him, and uh, I don't know if you could talk about him at all or. So in the, in the time of Joey, that would have been Ralph Shoy. Um, and Ralph passed shortly after I came on. Um, but Joe Ahern took, took hold after Ralph. Okay. Um, and Joe retired last year. I took over as CEO in March of 2020. That's when Joe retired. Um, Joe and I worked together for eight years. So we, we pushed this program and grew this program and found new and different ways to help the first responder community. Um, Joe is a networker, just like I am, and it was it was ways to try to find, you know, the next connection or the next the next positive thing we could bring to the first responder community. Um, I was joking. I have a good relationship with Joe. <laughs> I talk to Joe all the time. Well, not anymore, you know. <laughs> uh, he's in South Carolina. That's where he retired oh, very to. Nice. So he's he's doing good. And and Joe, you know, in the most recent tragedy we had, I Joe was one of the one of the first couple phone calls that, that I got was going. So you can retire, but you, you don't really get out. Right. Don't, but don't change your number. You're connected, right? I don't know how you could. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, it's not only us being family members, but it's, it's, it's everyone else being our family too. I mean, these are, these are my people. These are, these are the people that I, that I care about and I love deeply and I want to see succeed and I want to, you know, um, to assist and be part of their lives. They're some of the most amazing humans I've ever had the chance to meet too. I mean, there's not one family that I'm like, those guys are a bunch of jerks. <laughs> they, they're all. Wouldn't mind this, seeing this one go. <laughs> no, there's not one single family that I'm like, eh, nope, uh-uh. Um, you know, it, it's a chance to meet people and, you know, speak to the human connection. You meet people at the rawest moment. Right. And, uh, and, I think if you've got a heart, you, you feel for that right. and you want to be part of, part of what's next. And again, knowing the kind of person you are, you know, I'm sure that, you know, there's, there's these families that would probably be a lot more comfortable talking with you than the fire chief, than the police chief, than the, you know, than, than the, the mayor or the governor or the, or the village president. Do you think that helps sometimes because that they have a perfect stranger to go to than somebody within their circle? I think so. Is that is 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 that a benefit to you guys? I think it is, and and I think it's. I'm not a perfect stranger to a lot of them. I've un, unfortunately and fortunately known quite a few of our families before, um, but I think that the the benefit of having someone walk in and say, this is what we're going to help you do. This is what the next couple of days, weeks, and months are going to look like. There are no stupid questions. Yes, I can go buy pantyhose for your daughter and bring them to the funeral. Yes, we can talk about every single question you've got. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, a, there's a, I hope, and I think that there's a kindred spirit in there that people connect to. Um, well, Without, without a doubt, there's no one else in the state of Illinois that knows how this process goes better than you guys do, I would imagine. And in the, it, in the event that the, there is a line of duty death, I can only imagine, even if 
everything, quote unquote, went right other than the line of duty death or whatever. There's with the family or the family and the friends and the coworkers, there's got to be at that moment some anger towards the employer or the police chief, fire chief, even if nothing that they did or could have done, you know, politicians, whatever it may be, there's some anger towards that. Why did this happen to, to my spouse? Why did this happen to my dad or my mom? You know, and you kind of coming in, eliminate that a little bit. Uh, it, you know, not only are you bringing assistance, uh, you know, the financial stuff and, and all that, but you're kind of getting in between. Your neutral seems territory. Like. Yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to yeah. get to. And I think that's the thing. And, and I tell this to the department and I tell this to the family. I don't wear a badge. Right. So there's a lot I can do that neither of you can. Mm-hmm. I don't have the parameters of a department. I don't have a mayor or a governor or a higher being or a board telling me what I can and can't do for a family, what I can and can't do for a city or, you know, a department. So, you know, there's a lot of flexibility that I have in the fact that I do not have a badge, but I have a lot of connections. Um, That being said, what do you have a hard line of stuff that you will not do or has a hundred club? We, this is a line we won't cross to help somebody. I'm happy you phrased it this way because this question has come up. I've seen with Vince many times before in different situations. Jesus. But I'm happy. That, I'm happy that you phrased it that now way. I Vince. feel. I feel Anything what you were feeling we the other day. Yeah, we won't you. do. That's a, that's an issue. <laughs> Organizationally speaking. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I haven't been asked to do anything that I was like, that's not Yeah, that's happen. the line. That um, right there's the I've, line. I've never found the line, no. and I, I think the thing that you've got to remember. You know, when it comes to families going through tragedy and when it comes to departments and coworkers going through tragedy is no matter who you are, no matter how many times you've gone through it, no matter how big your department is, it's tragic and it's awful. And it's it's an unprecedented moment that you're going through. So you hear things, people ask for things, people do things because they've experienced trauma and and we react to trauma how we as humans react to trauma and everybody does that differently. Um, So I think one of the things having done this for years is you kind of get to see that's what you're saying. Have you had anybody refuse help from you guys and were too proud to accept it? We have not. That's good. No. And and I think, you know, what really happens is, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, well, this this is money and I can't take the money. And why would I take the money? I can't do that. Well, that's what I wanted to get at, that people might be, thank you for your help, but we got this. And I think the thing is, your person, your first responder, who's no longer with us, no matter how crotchety they've been as a first responder, Hmm. wanted only the best for you. And then now is not there to make sure that that happens. So that's what we're here to do is to make sure that in, in whatever power we can, that we can make that happen. And sometimes it's not money and sometimes it's a connection or it's a shoulder. Um, you know, sometimes it's a resource. Um, but, but I always tell them that, you know, this, <laughs> this is because people want to do something. People want to be able to help. And that's the number one thing that that I think I want first responders to know and I want these families to know is when tragedy strikes like that, 
everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to do something. Um, I take deep honor in the fact that I get to do something um, and that we're a trusted entity that people go to that can do something, you know? Um, so. What, just just because I'm, I'm kind of ignorant on the situation, if um, there's the obvious situations, but what are, what, what else constitutes a line of duty death besides obviously dying in, in the direct line of duty from, you know, from the job that you're doing at that point? So line of duty dependent on... Are you that, talking like cancer and stuff like sure. that? Sure, yeah. cancer so or mental health. Or. So there's a hierarchy of line of duty... Fort, yeah. You know, titles and, and ways that we define it. Um, it. The 100 Club acts when there is a line of duty death that is declared by command. So whatever that command is. So okay. chief, superintendent, director, whatever that command is. Um, the department declares a line of duty. That's when we act. The department declaring a line of duty is step one. So you the guys don't make that. You guys can't do make not. that determination. I do not make that determination. That's a very, very gray line in a lot of times, in a lot of cases. Um, the department makes the declaration. Typically then the city or the higher being of location makes that determination. The state makes that determination. And then the federal government makes that determination through um, the Department of Justice. So there are many levels of what defines a line of duty death. Um, but the first one we react to is a department. All the others come after that. But most people go by the declaration of the definition the Department of Justice goes through, which is acting in your office. So acting as a police officer, a firefighter, yeah. paramedic, um, and you're doing something as part of your job that results in your death. Um, cancer gets Does, tricky. Doesn't, doesn't fall in that guideline. Cancer has not, has not gone through the guidelines as far as PSOB is concerned. Um, COVID was declared line of duty through the Department of Justice, and then President Trump signed that declaration and it felt it came back down through departments so that's when we had you know we decided actually that as soon as a department declared somebody died in the line of duty with covid that we acted and we covered nine covid cases in 2020 so you didn't wait for federal mandates you just went as soon as the department the did department it level. we did it and then that federal mandate came out as well um but the federal mandate basically said if you were a first responder and you die of covid you died of covid because you're a first responder there's no questions. I don't need to know where or how you got it. Mm -hmm. You died because you responded like you do every single day. And if you were home and not actively doing your job, what, you may probably not have, yeah, wouldn't yeah, right. have gotten COVID. Um, so COVID's a, a funny line. Cancer is in the same kind of kind of place. And so is, so is suicide right now. Suicide does not fall under a line of duty death. What was 9-11 like for you guys? You know, we were here. That was BC before so Caitlin. That was before me, but... But you've, you've... Did the 100 Club go out there? Did they have we anything to not. do with that? Um, and there is not a 100 Club in New York proper. Really? No. Mm -hmm. There's one in, there's one in uh, northern New York, but there's not one in New York City. Huh. Um, the biggest tragedy, I mean, short of late, but um, that I was around for was Dallas. 
we lost the officers in Dallas. Um, and we actually worked with a bunch of police groups, um, you know, Sheriff's Association, Chicago, everybody, to get together and raise funds. So the 100 clubs across the country, they're not affiliated, but you guys are in, in contact with each other. So there's three of us um, who have large 100 clubs who offer a lot of programming and offer a lot of monetary assistance. There's us, there's 100 Club of Arizona, and then there is um, East Texas. So between the three of us, we're the largest. It seems like a, a, a weird group of three, right? <laughs> it, do, it does. It does. You know. Yeah, and and I'll tell you too. So I mean, and that's not just Texas. That's just it's a portion. Just a of Texas. portion of Texas. Oh. Um, so we are the largest. We're the largest hunter club, based on how many first responders we serve. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the state of Arizona has forty thousand. We were comparable to the state of Arizona when we only had three counties. Hmm. So there's about 40,000 first responders in Cook, Lake, and McHenry County. Um, because, again, volunteer all the way up to to federal side. Um, yeah. But but we are the largest as in the population we serve and also the benefits we provide. Hmm. So we're the only ones doing the education piece that yeah. way as well. Do you guys advocate for other states to create 100 clubs in their jurisdictions? Um you know, I'll tell you, there's not a whole lot of downtime to do a yeah. lot of advocating <laughs> for other well, what are you talking about? There's, there's four of you, Caitlin. <laughs> right. right. There's um, all four of you. How, how do you not have any time? You know, I, I selfishly got myself to like four hours of sleep a night. So, uh, no, but I, I think what we do is um, actually, if you go to our website and you go to the About Us page, there is information on all the other 100 clubs throughout the nation. So we hold the directory for all of them. Every year we call all of the ones who were in existence and we Google and, you know, we have an intern who does this every year, Um, but goes on and looks to find out all those resources because we do get those calls. Like we'll get a random call, you know, from Idaho. That's like, Hey, is there one in in Idaho? And we're like, well, we'll go through the director. Right. Um, But, but I have over my eight years, probably, probably assisted with, with another eight or 10 hunter clubs. Well, that's part of their creation. That's good. Wow. Yeah. So, um, where are those? There's some on the East Coast. Oh, wow. You know, and they name themselves differently, too. There's a couple other clubs, too, that not necessarily the 100 necessarily club, called the 100 Club. There's one called the 200 Club. Oh, uh, what thing. a bunch of one uppers. <laughs> well, let's, uh, are we, uh, what do you want to take a break? Yeah. Let's okay. do that. All right. We'll, uh, we'll take a break right here. We'll be right back. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho Physical Therapy. I'm here with Dahlia Fami, owner of Sports and Ortho Physical Therapy, where they specialize in rehabilitation of police and fire. Hi, Dahlia. Hi, Vince. How are you? Thanks for having me back. So what do or what can our members do to come in and see you guys? Really easy, Vince. They just call us up and make an appointment. So, and I can guarantee they won't be disappointed. And usually people definitely learn a lot about their bodies while they come see us. Uh, Sports and Ortho is a private practice specializing in the care of police and fire members. You can look them up at sportsandortho.net. Call them to make an appointment. Dahlia, thanks again for being here. One last question for you. What if it's a work injury? That's a good question. So you can still ask for us. We're part of the City of Chicago Workers' Compensation Network. So there should be no issues if we are requested. Thanks, Dahlia, for being here and educating us about the importance of prevention. Always a pleasure, Vince. Thanks. 
Okay, we're back. Um, where were we, Caitlin? We were talking about the elephant in the room. Okay, the elephant in the room. Well, the reason we, we brought Caitlin out here was because of recent events. Yeah, th- this podcast is going to be time sensitive, and it's it's kind of a... We've talked about how the best way to go about it, and we're just going to kind of throw it at you, Caitlin, and then just put it in your court whatever you're comfortable talking about and whatever you can speak of respectively, uh, we're all ears and we're, we're, we're going to kind of just be listeners here for a second. And you tell us what's going on with recent events and what you, you can and feel comfortable talking about. Sure. I, I think, uh, I think all jokes aside, which is hard on the first responder, uh, community and to talk through yeah, that's, that's how we, that's how we deal. Right. Yeah. Um, these are some of the worst, the worst days and the worst times that our first responder community has seen. I think nationwide, um, that statement applies. And you know, following the events of this weekend, um, as I mentioned, that was our second line of duty death in that week. Morale is at an all-time low. Stress is at an all-time high. Um, are you talking about across the board, first responder-wise? I'm talking across the board, first responder-wise, because, you know, I, I think a lot of the narrative has been directed towards the law enforcement side because of sure. the events of the last year, two years. Um, but it affects all points of the first responder community. It affects the fire side because you guys are right along there with them, and you are responding to the same calls. You are you know, picking up the pieces a lot of times. Fortunately, sometimes you guys have been targets lately too. Um, but but I, th- I think the the message and the reason that, that the Hunter Club is important at a time like this and that these conversations are important at a time like this is to let you know there's, there's people who still care. There are people out there who give a shit, who care about the fact that you go home every day, who care about your families. Um, as I mentioned, I spend 24 hours a day working and thinking about our first responders and what we can do. Um, it's been a really rough ride for, uh, for CPD lately. That was a big blow this weekend. Um, a lot of people are talking about it being a turning point. A lot of people are talking about now is the time to do something. Now is the time for action. Now is the time to repay that favor um, to our first responders. The point I like to bring people back to is, you know, we all just came out of this COVID fog, right? But when COVID hit, you guys didn't stop working. Our first responders went to work. They suffered through it. They left their families behind to suffer through it. They brought that issue home um, and all the traumas that came along with it. And I think, you know, my message is stay in the fight. Keep your head up. Please know that there's people who care. Um, please use the resources that we fought so hard to bring to you. Um, if you're going through something, if you want to talk about something, my cell phone's on the website. Um, my cell phone's on any sort of information you can find of us. Our website's out there, all of our social media points. Please reach out. Know that, that there's people here who care. There's people who would do anything for you. Um, it's confidential. doesn't cost a thing. Exactly. You guys are there for them. Definitely. And, and we'll be there for these families. Um, we're we're going to be there for, for Ella's family, and we're going to be there for her partner's family. And 
We're going to be there for everybody who was touched by that event, everybody who was traumatized by that event, and all the other events that have happened in the past 55 years. Um, trauma isn't new to the first responder community. That's the biggest thing. This may be the turning point, but you guys have been going through this for ages. Um, it's time people open their mouths and open their hearts and say thank you and start caring. Um, I think the elephant in the room is where do we go from here? And, and the biggest point that, that I can get across is please, please, please stay in the fight. Know that we care. Know that there's people who are so proud of you guys, are proud of the departments we have in this state, are proud of our first responders. Um, and I personally and my team and anybody who's connected with us, there's not a thing I wouldn't do for you. So, so know that, that, that that's there. From where we sit, I think I can speak from all three of us that I take comfort in the fact that you guys are there and that you are there. So on behalf of us, thank you very much. I think that you don't get as much credit as you deserve for what you guys do. All four of you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Where it's a, it is an honest to God honor to do it. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine myself ever doing anything else. Do you want to give a quick shout out to your other team members? Yeah, so our, our COO is Danielle Brangle. Um, our program director is Reagan Raimondi, and our event director is Lauren Petrovsky. Who's the TikToker? Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> that's a Lauren's the baby, too, so <laughs> that, that's saying a few things. I've got, uh, I've got years on everybody on the staff, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm the old crotchety one. Well, then you're definitely not the one for TikTok. <laughs> All right, so let's... Saying I got a face for radio. I heard that loud and clear. No, you, that technology is alien technology. All right. I don't know how it works, Caitlin. I don't, I don't know I how don't it even, works. I have a master's degree in IT. I have no idea how this yeah, TikTok works. It, 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 Legitimately. You're going to need more education for this TikTok. I'm telling you. Give, an, give everybody else the events that are coming up again and where people can reach out. And this can be a third party reach out right? Somebody may be speaking for somebody else that they feel that needs help that may not reach out to you guys or you haven't got to yet. So this is also a resource for somebody who knows somebody who needs help that they can reach out for, right? A lot of times we do hear from first responders who are like, hey, can you go check up on so-and-so? Um, and we'll do that. Those resources are provided and, and know this part too. Um, we do have resources for your families as well, so active duty families. So if your spouse decides to call, if your brother decides to call um, and reaches out because you guys need something, that, that's valid too. Okay. Well, give that information out, and we want everybody to show up at these events. I guess I'm going to the gala <laughs> with my... <laughs> tux with my top hat and tails so it's not a tuxedo <laughs> event yeah. but looking like, looking like mr Fuck listen, not you're not going to tell me how to dress right? <laughs> yeah but i am also not going to tell you the actual date of the event either. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, so. i will be at the risk every day <laughs> uh, no so as I mentioned before, our 55th anniversary is August 27th. We are having a 55th anniversary celebration get together um, on August 19th at the Flower Firm, which is in the Fulton Market District. 
All of these event details are on our website and on all of our social media channels. But August 19th is the 55th anniversary celebration. And then September 23rd is the gala. Can we come out there and cover that event? Yeah. All right. You guys down with that? Yeah, that's That was a verbal contract right there. Uh, that is legally binding, Caitlin. So, uh, <laughs> speak to our attorney. Do we have an attorney? No. Uh, there's actually two going through school right now. Uh, <laughs> through the Hunter Club. <laughs> through the Thank Hunter you, Club. Hunter Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we have a tax attorney. And these events, are these just open to the public, open to register on the website? Open to, they okay. are. They cool. are. They're both ticketed events, um, but we also... We push out a ton of events on our social um, channels and on our website. We have an event on September 11th, which is with Cadillac Groove. It's up in Aurora. They're an awesome band who is actually raffling themselves off. <laughs> so they're doing a raffle. So if you want to own Cadillac Groove, <laughs> right. uh, so, come to the Hunter Club. But event. I mean, if you think of this, it's pretty ingenious because how many times have you like, I really want to have this like 10-piece brass band in my backyard throwing a hell of a party. You I say that, that every weekend. Right? Band, huh? I mean, we do. They're an amazing, amazing huh. band. Look them yeah. up, Cadillac Groove. But um, they, this is the second year that they've done this for us. They raffle off the band. So you can win the band for a graduation party or, or, or Tuesday just to come night out to your house when court. you want to yeah. hang out. Just hang out. Um, <laughs> I... It, this isn't I didn't a party. This it, is just you. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it, but... Kaylin, I don't know if you know this, but Cadillac Groove was actually Vince's college <laughs> nickname right before. Because he was a little bit older when I went to college. It's been a while so since he, I've had my uh, college nickname. Been, it's been a bit. Um, that is so and then, and then, uh, and then again, all well, we've we've said already multiple times, but um, social media and obviously the website are going to be primary points of contact to get a hold of you guys in any situations. Um, again, unfortunately for you, your personal information is on there um, for people to reach out to you directly, which is again just an incredible resource that you're you know, that you're putting yourself out there with. Um, what, uh, yeah. I, what I would say is use it. Um, you know, use the information. We're putting on a lot of workshops and a lot of programs. I know I'm married to one of you guys on the other <laughs> side. I get it when I'm like, hey, you should go to this trauma workshop and listen to what this person has to say. He's like, that's cute. Um, <laughs> my, my wife is a mental health counselor. See, See, um, yeah, I don't listen to it at right. all. But <laughs> zero. That's why he's like this. Yeah. <laughs> She'll tell me she's like, she's like, you're a psychopath. I go, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm gonna go do a podcast. Yeah. Bye. But she's also watching you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Babies like a baby, like babysitting. Yes. Me. yes. Yes. We all saw the little probe sticking out of your arm. She knows what you're doing. Yeah, um, so speaking of babysitting, um, you're, you're married to a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I was gonna say when you asked, is it different between the police and the fire? I, I I think the funny thing is, you know, you meet a fireman and he's like, hey, you want to have a beer and talk about this stuff? Because, like, cool, let's let's have a conversation. You meet yeah. a police officer. Because like, I'm a drunk, but I'm cool with talking about they're things. They're like, who the hell are you and what do you want? Yeah. Nine times out of ten, right? Because they don't trust people. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> my, my answer to that is, I'm just going to tell you what I'm here for and who I am and you're not going to scare me. Right. <laughs> right. My husband is a six, seven police officer. <laughs> He's even bigger than you, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> Lengthwise. <Right. laughs> also goes by the name Cadillac Groove. Oh. 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 There's competition. That, that, he's a Lincoln Groove. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. He's from Southern Illinois, so I don't really know if they have I'm yeah. super happy I held off all my all my Southern Illinois jokes when I was, when you were talking about St. Louis. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got to imagine, yeah, like just the... 
dealing with your husband and just the you know just roundabout stuff at home like you're you're used to getting a, a, a resting aggression i'm sure when it comes to like dealing <laughs> with cops and like i mean again like you said there's just not um i think um, i think that's first responders in general you guys yeah. see the worst of the worst and you see it every day and multiple times a day so yeah. the fact that you know you have somebody coming in who's like let's talk about what happened Right. You're going to be like, you should go away. That doesn't work one bit. So I, I think what we're really, what we're really actively trying to do. And if you look at the programs and the workshops and the things that we have, like we put on a jujitsu class for law enforcement. What? We'll do one for the fireside. And the thing is, I want to talk to you about wellness and I want to talk to you about being resilient. But I know for damn sure that if I was like, you should eat a banana a day. Right. You all would be like, cool. Bye. Right. But I'm like, hey. We want to put on a jujitsu class so you can learn some hand-to-hand techniques for when things get dicey, you are in control of the situation, whether or not you have to use your firearm. That might be the coolest thing ever. Like, <laughs> here's a jujitsu class. When you wake up from me choking you out, I want to tell you. <laughs> to eat a banana. Eat a banana. Eat a banana. <laughs> All right. I shouldn't have used a banana. I see where this <laughs> no, is going. <laughs> no, you did right. Thank, 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 God, you did right. thank God you mentioned Cadillac Group first. <laughs> I'll you, know, that. you know, um, uh, but I know, but the thing is, you know, we're part of the first responder community. I get it. I'm, I, I'm not going to approach it that way. Like right. here's a nutrition plan. You should follow it. Right. Like also here's a bourbon drink it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's fine in that balance. Fine is what works for you. Yeah. And you know, maybe jujitsu is like, no, thank you. Maybe yoga is like, no, thank you. But again, it's the same approach. If I can give you 10 different ways that'll take a little bit of that weight off your shoulders. You throw it. Something's going to stick. Something's going to stick. Yeah. And if it doesn't, at least I yell at you 10 times. <laughs> well, we know 10 things that don't aren't going to work. <laughs> right. 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 So we will we'll, we'll uh, scratch that off the list. Definitely. Anything else, guys? I, I mean, I, me personally, again, I, I know you said our events, but like I I can't thank you enough for every for all the great work you guys are doing for everything that you've done, Caitlin. Like, again, there's a. There's a comfort the moment I met you knowing that if something happens to me, one thing I'm not going to have to worry about is my family and, and how they're going to go moving forward. If something happens to me while I'm, while I'm working, um, which again is, it, it sounds, you know, I don't know if it sounds like it's not much, but it's really like every, every decision that you, that you make at the firehouse or, or, you know, working on the street could could potentially lead to that and, and knowing that there's people like you helping out is incredible. Caitlin, is it true that Corey asked you if anything happened to him that you would wipe his browser history? <laughs> is this true? It's the thing is though, I I both operate on Apple and PC. So I need you we need, I need you to, to be well versed. I know you talked about your, your IT background. So. so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this and turn it into a teachable moment. Oh, that's fair. Um, wipe your browser history yourself before you go to work. <laughs> Hashtag clean up your own problems. Uh, no, but clean your own bathroom apparently. Yes. No, but but the thing the thing too that I that I would push is I, I work in in trauma uh-huh. and in death situations and nobody wants to talk about this nobody wants to talk about what's going to happen none of us are getting out of life alive it's not going to happen and if you have the time and the capacity to figure that out with your family now please do it we have workshops that'll walk you through the investment side that'll walk you through 
wills and probate and all the other things that you'd have to go through. If you don't have something, please take the time and do it because I will tell you out of the, <laughs> out of the 48 line of duty deaths, three of them have had wills. Three of them. And there is nothing harder than sitting with a family who goes, I don't know what he would have wanted. I can't tell you what he would have wanted. We never had that conversation. That isn't something to put on your family. Is that one of the, the top things to do while you're still around in the event that something should happen to you? I think that's one of the top things that you should do as an adult. I mean, we joke about adulting, right? We talked about our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, once you have children, you have an obligation to other humans in this world. Um, children or spouse or partner or whatever, whatever your obligation is to your people. Um, Give us one more big thing that you've constantly come across that you wish that... That would have been a simple fix prior to... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the will and the this is what I want um, conversation. And I also think look for those, those moments and those people in your lives that open up and say, like, talk to me. Let me be part of this. Um, you know, I've met with many spouses who were like, I never knew that this is what he or she was dealing with, or I never knew that this was happening. Um, it's really hard for you guys to talk about the traumas that happen at the job. And I've heard so many times, I don't want to bring that stuff home to my family because I don't want to put that darkness on them. I don't want to put those ideas in their mind. Then don't put them in mine. Talk to me. I, you know, talk to one of us. There are so many people out there who will listen. Um, you know, not on the line of duty side, but on the first responder side that there are people, there are, there are openings, there are, there are, there are ears, there are resources, there are resources. And it is as simple as, as shooting a text message and as difficult as saying I have a problem, but, but please, 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 please. I would, I would rather listen to you for three days than and work with your family afterwards. Yeah, make Caitlin's job a little easier, <laughs> please. No, I, I think make your job easier. Make yeah. your life yeah. easier if, if it's possible. You know, I, I think the elephant in the room, too, is that this is a really dark and ugly time. You guys see all the dirty and dark and ugly in the world. But take some of that weight off if you can. That That's, that's my biggest thing. Um, and if you don't have somebody, please, please reach out reach out to you guys if you're listening any of these guys can give you the information can hook you up with resources or reach out to me we've we are an open forum for sure please reach out to us if you have nobody else to reach out to if you're hearing this reach out to us we'll help you we got nothing but time between us three so that being said caitlin again thank you so much for being here thank you for what you do Thank you, guys. And uh, any last words there, boys? No, just, you know, if you see Caitlin out there, and she's on our Facebook already because, you know, we're like that. But <laughs> if you see Caitlin out there, you buy her a drink. Yeah. <laughs> All right? She is literally the big sister to every first responder in the state of Illinois. Her and her team, if they come by the firehouse, you better roll out the red carpet for her. <laughs> yeah. Because at what they do for us collectively as first responders uh, in, in Illinois. It's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, and to have people out there helping the helpers uh, is just, it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah, we get a paycheck. We get our time off. We get our 
pension, hopefully at the end, you know, the volunteer firemen aren't getting there. They don't get nothing. Um, but you know, there's people out there. They do love you. They do want to, they do want to help you in your time of need and, uh, you know, treat them, treat them, uh, better than your command staff at your department because they deserve it. Yeah. I mean, we know that you guys are like, we're brave enough to put up a profile picture with a red or blue line in the background, but definitely make sure that you understand and and look up what, what this organization's about, because again, it's, it's deep and they've helped so many people come out of their darkest times. And uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll have a, a little donation section on our donation page on the website for the Hunter Club. Uh, we'll put a link up there uh, for, for them so you guys can, can get through uh, uh, through our website if you have to. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, on behalf of Cadillac Groove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank we've, you. Uh, we've got a half bottle of whiskey we got to finish <laughs> off yeah. now. All right. Well, let's, let's get working on that. Thanks again, Caitlin. Thank this you, This has been Chicago's Bravest Stories.